And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him up in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Last Sunday, that is the fourth Sunday of Advent, we heard from the gospel how St. Luke enumerated in some detail the chief personages, both secular and ecclesiastic, who ruled in the Holy Land at the time of the preaching of St. John the Baptist when he first got started. Now the fathers give us a couple of reasons for this listing. One of which is to show how the Holy Land was divided spiritually as well as politically at the time of Christ. Its spiritual division is symbolized by the mentioning of two high priests. There's only supposed to be one high priest. St. Luke says there was two. There's Annas and Caiaphas. Two high priests. We haven't seen that before, have we? The political balkanization is symbolized by there being four kings and a Roman governor. Such divisions have been with us from the beginning of the world. We can say that with the sin of Adam came the alienation of man from God. Between husband and wife. And then with the sin of Cain came the alienation between fellow men and family life. At the Tower of Babel came the alienation of the whole of the human race from God and men from men. And finally, at least since the days of Noah, we can also say that man is more and more alienated from creation itself. Don't you feel it? Not surprisingly, then, we find the Holy Land torn asunder among so many rulers. Some of them were infidels and others were impious. They needed a Savior. The divine order that harmonizes all things, angels, men, all of creation, needed to be reestablished But how was it to be done? Well, in a certain sense, it started on this night because there was no room in the inn. How is it going to take place? There's no room in the inn. Divided man, divided society has no room for its king, for its restorer. Tradition tells us that the stable to which the Holy Family was forced to resort was, it seems, a cave. It was not just a stable, but a cave. The fact that the Christ, the Word made flesh, was born in a cave forever set the stage for how godly restorations are started. Even those that preceded His most holy birth. On this night, they started in caves. Why? Well, 
Because man rejects the order of God. Man rejects the restoration that God wants to give us. St. Lawrence of Brindisi, doctor of the church, he taught that Christ was willed as a foundation in such a way that if the edifice to be built on him should ever need repairs, the reparation could be carried out on the very same foundation without any change in the divine blueprint. This is why God did not start over when Adam sinned. This is why God did not start over with Cain or Babel. He had already laid a solid foundation in Christ and planned from all eternity to make reparation through His coming, starting in a most visible way on this night. And the repairs, the restoration, began in a cave. Seems like he's always starting with a cave because that's how restorations are always greeted by fallen man. They're rejected. And man has to retreat to a cave. The faithful man, that is. But now this cave, we should say from this cave, the king worked outward. Starting with the angels appearing to the shepherds and on and on it went until various men in power could no longer take the restoration. King Herod tried early on to stop it, to suppress it, by killing all the baby boys in Bethlehem, hoping that he would kill the infant king among them. This is the holy innocence. Later, the ecclesiastical authorities, namely Annas and Caiaphas, tried to suppress the restoration by putting our Savior to a most undeserved and cruel death. But then what happened? His dead body was what? You know the story. Placed in a cave. And lo and behold, the repairs started anew with his resurrection, giving an impetus to the restoration that would ultimately could not be stopped and never will. But notice the role of the cave in all this. It's amazing. Keeps popping up. Now consider a few more examples. King David fled to a cave in his flight from the diabolically possessed King Saul. Sometimes you wonder if not all the leaders today are diabolically possessed, considering what they're doing. We read in the first book of Kings, all that were in distress and oppressed by debt and under affliction of mind gathered themselves unto him and he became their prince. And there were with him about 400 men. They fled to a cave. Now from that cave, King David worked slowly to, and surely to restore the promised land and much, much more for God's chosen people. The prophet St. Elias fought very hard to overcome all that offended God in the northern kingdom under King Achab and Jezebel. Only what happened to him? He had to flee. He had to flee for his life 
to a cave on Mount Horeb. But from there, being carefully instructed by God's gentle voice, he was able to start a restoration that continued after he himself was taken up in a fiery chariot. The prophet Jeremiah's, he took the most holy things of the Hebrew temple, namely the Ark of the Covenant, the tent, the tabernacle, that is, and the altar of incense, and he hid them, what? In a cave on Mount Nebo. Just before the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians and the country was overrun by infidels. Yet this ark will someday be found again with the return of St. Elias. And from that finding in that very cave, the Jews will convert en masse and will be saved from the Antichrist. The same story is repeated over and over again. It's amazing. The Maccabees were literally pushed back by the pagans and the secular Jews to hide in caves only to come out again and retake the Holy Land, rededicate the temple anew on this very day, December 25th, to prepare the way for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ at Christmas. Rome was conquered through the faithful Christians working out of catacombs. St. Anthony of the desert and many other desert fathers fled the luxury of the world to live in caves and start a monastic movement that would preserve the church in the darkest of days ahead. St. Benedict, the father of Western monasticism, fled opulent Rome to live in a cave. It's called Subiaco, if you ever want to visit it. From Subiaco, he founded 12 monasteries. And from those 12 monasteries, the Benedictine order tamed Europe. We owe much of all that is good and beautiful in our Western culture to him. And it began in a cave. We heard recently how Spain was all but lost to the Moors except for a few hundred faithful Catholics taking refuge in a cavern of Our Lady, Covadonga, in northern Spain. Only to come out of that cavern after a miraculous victory against the, the Muslims to push them out of the country and everyone that was like them some 770 years later. But it started, the reversal took place from that cave. St. Francis of Assisi often resorted to the cave of St. Michael on Mount Gargano. And also during St. Teresa of Avila's greatest trials with various powerful people attempting to suppress her Carmelite restoration... She had to flee to a cave, as it were. Here's, how, here's what her biographer says. On leaving Segovia to return to Avila, Teresa stopped at the cave in which St. Dominic had dwelt. St. Dominic was in a cave, too. She remained there, prostrate in prayer, for so long that her little escort grew impatient. With all her charm and graciousness, she apologized She had been kept by the holy friar preacher who had appeared to her. 
He had promised to help her in everything, and especially in her foundations. And St. Dominic was good to his word. He gave her courage, and he worked marvels at getting the Carmelite restoration fully established and given it authority from Rome. Our Lady came to Lourdes and appeared to St. Bernadette from a cave in a grotto. Many from both the church and the state tried to suppress Lourdes. We know it was ultimately approved with millions being restored to spiritual and bodily health through its waters. St. Michael prepared the children of Fatima and gave them Holy Communion in a cave to prepare them for a great work of restoration that lay in front of them with Our Lady's visit soon to start in 1917. And much of that work is yet to be done. Surely, many more examples could be found, but what does it mean? Well, first of all, it means that true Christian restorations are most often rejected by sinful men. They are often rejected and suppressed by both political, that's secular, and ecclesiastical authorities, both those inside and outside the church. As the introit tonight says, the Gentiles rage and people devise vain things. As a result, the faithful of Christ are forced to retreat to a cave, to regroup, find strength and courage to restore all things in Christ. This is the pathway of Christ himself and seemingly of all his saints. It is seen by his being born in a cave this very night. Second of all, Although the times seem to point toward the loss of many things that are good, beautiful, and true, history, that is the divine plan, His story, Christ's story, shows that this too shall pass. That all is not lost when we have the foundation, Christ our Lord. He will not allow us to be cloistered for long. All his enemies will be made his footstool. All that is true, good, and beautiful will be restored. It may not seem like it right now, but it will. And finally, we can ask, where is this cave, Father? Where's our cave? It's right here in our very presence. The infant king, Jesus Christ in the manger. This is our cave. This is our foundation on which to build ever anew. Perhaps we might even say it is none other than the Blessed Virgin. For in her womb we always find the Christ, the infant, and we should have recourse to her and the crib. And we will find the strength to be Christ's reformer. St. Ephraim sums up all this very well, as only he can do so poetically. He said, He that hath care came and saw thee, and his care fled away. He that had anxiety at thee forgot his anxiety. 
The hungry forgot his victuals, and he that had an errand by thee was errant and forgot his journey. When the wrathful came to see thee, thou madest them gladsome. They received a restoration. They exchanged smiles with one another. The angry were made gentle in thee, O sweet one. From the crib, restoration begins. Blessed art thou, O little one, for that in thee even the bitter are made sweet. We're living in times in which we're retreating to a cave. Do not lose your peace, for in that cave is Christ, and he cannot be defeated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.